Thank you very much. I was, uh, I was expecting an incredible welcoming speech, but anyway. <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, so uh, I was asked to come along tonight uh, to talk about this very issue, mainly because my, uh, my qualifications was that I come from, come from a working class background, and I thought, oh, that was an interesting comment. So, and also my campaign in regard to the Greyhound a ban in, in New South Wales and how it struck me personally as well even though I've never owned a greyhound never really been to greyhound races probably one or two in my life and but I grew up uh, in the country I come from rural New South Wales uh, Grafton the north coast and I uh, come to, and I and uh, moved to Sydney uh, western suburbs of Sydney Auburn a very multicultural place and I, I worked with uh, people whose parents uh, were factory workers and, uh, and, uh, and probably worked on, on construction sites. In fact, my first job was um, working in the factories of Silverwater at the age of 16 as a machinist uh, in that factory at Builder Engineering. And then going from that to working on uh, the Sydney Water Board uh, digging um, uh, pipelines, uh, sewerage pipelines of, of everything, and uh, and actually my kids and my wife, I drive them mad because I'm usually driving around Sydney, and and they say and I say see this suburb, and they go yeah, and I said I'll put the sewer pipes in the suburb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a continuing joke within our family and how they take the take the piss out of me. Um, so one thing that really interested me, because I've been very much involved in politics, you don't, you don't get to the cut and thrust of being president of the Australian Labor Part, Party without having blood on your hands and, and fighting for that battle of, uh, of getting there. So one, one thing that really hit me, and it was happened in the, uh, in the Howard years when I was president, I used to go around and visit... Um, local branches. In fact, that was a quite an interesting experience because I used to turn up and they used to get me to sign the, 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 the meeting book, President of the Australian Labor Party. And I asked, why did I have to put that in? I just signed the book. And they said, because you're the first president that's ever come to our brands. Because I had this crazy idea that you had to talk to the members. It's like a business idea. If, if your members aren't selling your party, then your party is not going to people aren't going to buy the product. They're not going to buy your party at all. So I went around and went to about 126 branches in my in my year as president of the ALP and went to interesting places like Gunnedah. Oh, the, there's one branch they call themselves the Democratic People's Republic of Brunswick and they actually gave me a certificate, <laughs> which was uh, which is very nice. I, I, was, I was citizen number one, which is... Uh, I, I keep that on my wall at home. And... And it was an interesting exercise because I, I got to meet the, the Workers' Party members and the disconnect between the Working Party members and the voters of the, of the Workers' Party and the actual elite of the, of the Australian Labor Party was really stark to me because, it, like the media in Australia, it's all becoming Sydney-centric. It's all been based here and opinions and everything is all coming out of central Sydney. And I just found it interesting that, that, that what people told me and that. And I remember once having uh, I come back from one of those meetings out in the, the branches, and uh, and we had having a discussion about working class people who are voting for Howard. 
Howard's Battlers, as people used to used to call them. And it was an interesting conversation because, as with my mad idea of meeting branch members as many as possible to get us to vote for the Labor Party, our own members, um, it was uh, it was interesting to, to how people talked about these things. So this was 2005, 2006, and people were using language like what Hillary Clinton used in the election campaign of the, for the presidency of the United States. Things like, you know, these people are idiots. You know, these are, these are you know, why are they voting for Howard? Uh, these people are fools. Uh, they're complete, you know, they're, they're just uneducated working class swill, which I thought was very funny because we were the working class party. <laughs> and this is how, and I, my argument back to them was, well, if we're going to win elections, we've got to win our members, we've got to win people who voted for us, who have been strong for us. And I remember having a, going to a barbecue in, in Penrith um, with a few mates of mine from high school. We went to school in Auburn together in high school. And so they were people in Auburn, if people know, is a very strong Labor seat. It's been since, <coughs> since, 19, uh, since 1892, it's been a, a Labor seat. And so um, people in their DNA from Auburn just vote Labor. They're just like robots. I'll just walk in, tick the box, and off they go. I, I noticed uh, during the conversation of that barbecue, I suddenly realised out of the 20 people that were there, I was the only one who voted Labor at that barbecue. And that was 2004, and everyone remembers the 2004 election. It was a big win for the Liberal Party, the coalition. Uh, they not only won the lower house, but they also won the Senate as well, and it was an electoral disaster for the Australian Labor Party. And so that, so I said, look, we're really getting disconnected from our membership. We're also getting disconnected from the people who vote from us. And I noticed this shift in the way people were, uh, politicians were thinking and the way they do, and they've all got caught up in this 24-hour news cycle. I used to get emails at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night given me instructions for the next day and then I get an email on Monday night at 10 o'clock to me instructions for the day after. So we had this 24-hour thing. And it worked for us, you know. It worked for us because we won the uh, 2007 election. But also I started to notice that the figures, the figures where when I was growing up in the political area, it was that you, uh, Labor would get 40 in, in the 40s, and the coalition would get in the 40s, and then you had that small group in the middle. Uh, the last few elections, the figures have actually been uh, dropping, and, and a third of Australians now don't tick that first box for Labor, Liberal, or the Nationals. A third. It's only through the preferential system that a lot of these seats and a lot of these Senate seats are now won because people are turning off from these major parties. And it's a very simple thing, which I think is that people, uh, yeah, we are simple, uh, us human beings. We, we, we just want jobs. We just, we just want to be able to feed our families. We just want to get them an education, be able to afford a house, uh, go on holidays and make sure our health's fine. And we're very happy for that. And we don't care about uh, what people want to marry, that's their, you know, that's their business. We've got enough problems with their own sex life without worrying about anyone else. 
Yeah, I made the comment once. I said, you can marry Gawena, that's your problem. But um, <laughs> it's... Uh, and then all of a sudden what's happening is you're getting this, this sort of Twitter arty, this small group of people who are able to now capture this space. And what you're seeing is in, in the last few days, is in the last few years, in fact, in which has uh, really come about, uh, which the Greyhound ban in itself wasn't the real issue. The real issue was the frustration of people being told what they should do in their lives. And the other thing too about it is a lot of working class people, even though they may have not have gone to the Greyhounds and not had a Greyhound, knew a Greyhound person. Uh, I remember my, a fr good friend of mine, his wife, she put on, on Facebook, she just put on Facebook, my father-in-law had Greyhounds. And then she took it down. She had to take it down because she was abused really attacked and, and by this, this sort of Facebook, Twitter arty. And she was uh, you know, a housewife, a, a, a woman who, who worked in a, in a preschool and, uh, and just was a, a, you know, a, an ordinary Australian person. And she just copped this pizzling just because she put up my father-in-law had greyhounds. And this was, and I knew Mr. Bellamy, Mr. Bellamy, who lived up the road from my, from our house, two houses up. My, my earliest um, in South Grafton, my earliest memories of life is actually playing with his greyhounds in his backyard. You know, I must have been three years old or something like that. And Mr. Bellamy was one of these guys who used to come around in his um, in his station wagon and pick us all up and take us to the footy used to coach us at footy and used to and was one of these knockabout good Aussie type blokes. He was a he was a he was a lot older man. He was a, in fact he was a veteran from the First World War. Fought in the First World War. And he and this is a lovely bloke and his children were lovely, incredible people. And um, it shows it shows my age, I actually don't even know his first name. It was always Mr. Bellamy. <laughs> and he and and we and I knew Mr. Bellamy and I said this bloke is not some sort of, you know, bastard. And this is how he was a, a good community person. And, it, and a lot of people across Western Sydney, across rural communities, saw this as an attack on their way of life. And this is a foot in the door for other things. A lot of farmers uh, started worrying about what are they going to do next, about us having sheep, and cattle, uh, uh, you know, what other people started, you know, started going, worrying about the horse racing industries and other things. And it was a very much an attack on people's pastimes. And I remember what really convinced me that this, because I took it up, a lot of friends of mine who were lawyers and uh, inner city uh, people living in the inner city, they said, Warren, we've never seen you so passionate about this area. And I said, I got passionate about it because it was attacking people who had, who had no power, who, who were just defenceless, ordinary, everyday people who didn't have the corridors of power. And they were brutalised in the most savage way on, on Facebook and the Twitter arty. And, it was, and so that's why I stood up. I said, I'm in a position where I can do, do something about this. And I took it on. And I said, why, why are you so passionate about this and I said because I'm sick and tired of ordinary Australians, ordinary people
been treated like they're deplorables and de treated like they're someone from Mars, they're uneducated swill. In actual fact, these are the battlers, these are the people who actually keep the economy going. And that was when I stood up for that. And in, actually in the last few days we've seen another battle which I thought, which, which I thought was incredibly stupid, you know, and I'll put it on the board, I am a supporter of same-sex marriage. But this attack on, on Cooper's beer was just an amazing, incredible. I watched that video and I thought nothing about that video. I just thought it was just a civil conversation. And when I read the article that came out of Cooper's in regard to the attack, the savage attack on him, is uh, this is the type of world that we're heading in. And what I've noticed from a lot of people now is, and this is one of the things that's probably coming out in polling in that as well, is that it, they are very shy about telling people who they're voting for. And they're very shy about what, uh, what the policies they support and that. And so what we're seeing now is, besides, uh, even though the people, in, uh, uh, the people are saying things, showing that the, the voting for the, the major political parties in a dire, uh, downward spiral, the major political parties actually planning so that they're getting they're more focusing on the preference flow. In fact, we uh, when I was president of Laopo, we used to run courses on people uh, for people to work on the preference flow because we knew that uh, we weren't going to get the first the first uh, tick in some of these boxes. And so that's what they're that's what they're depending on for their survival. And other things that I hear in the community, like when, uh, the, i got to say, the Turnbull, uh, the, uh, the 2016 election was the worst uh, election I've ever actually seen. It went for eight weeks. I think the last two weeks of the elections, my wife and I and the kids actually got an on an aeroplane and left the country. Um, <laughs> and I had to say, and I know I'll probably get abused. I had to say that Turnbull looked like in that election, the way the Liberal and coalitions, except for the National Party, did quite well. They ran that election. It was probably the worst election campaign I've seen since Billy McMahon in 1972. And that's why they lost those 14 seats. The other thing that, that uh, thing I noticed with some, a lot of my mates was a friend of mine, Mario, he was a first generation Australian. He's, he, he, his, mother, his parents got off the boat from, they come from Sicily. Uh, I remember them as a kid, uh, they couldn't even speak English. Uh, and it took them years to be able to master the English language. But they were workers, they worked in factories and his mother worked as a cleaner to help him buy a house. And they were just simple folks, the most simple, beautiful people I've ever met. But they fed, they had eight kids and they fed them and brought them up and made them very good citizens. Now, Mario is a, 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 um, a delivery van driver. He drives a van that delivers to the shops and stores around Sydney. When he, he told me that every time he hears Turnbull speak about innovation, he heard, I've lost my job. A robot's going to take over my car, my vehicle, and I'm not going to work. And he, and he actually was almost in tears one day when we're sitting having a beer, and it wasn't Cooper's, it was, uh, <laughs> it was actually uh, to his... And uh, he said, uh, he, he, he was almost in tears and he said, what I, if I lose my job, I lose meaning of who I am. And this is, the, this is what the politicians at the top end are not getting. They're not getting uh, how to talk to people.
how to listen to what people are saying and how to bring them through this phase. And one of the things I really missed was I go back to the to you know the three prime ministers which I admire, which is um, um, Hawke, um, Keating, and Howard, was they knew how to listen and they knew how to to work and, and do things, uh, but more so Hawke and, and Howard than Keating. But Keating was a very good operator working with Hawke. Hawke was a knockabout bloke. He was a Rhodes Scholar, in fact. It was amazing that he, a Rhodes Scholar, he had the world record for sculling a beer. And uh, he does it every cricket game I see him at. He sculls the beer still at 80. I wish I wasn't going to be like that at 80. Uh, but, he, um, but he knew how to talk to a bloke on the street in, in a shopping market and then was able to go and talk at a Rhodes Scholars meeting and also then talk to people. And he took us on a journey. They took us on a reforming journey, which cost a lot. When I bought my first house, I was paying 18% interest rates. They were telling us, we've got to get through this. And as honest to us, you know, I remember Keating's words about this is the recession that we have to have. But we're going to take you to good times and we're going to get you there. And the good times did come. And we saw that through the 90s. And we saw that up until the, the, about 2007, up until the great financial crisis. We saw the incredible times that we had. And this is what's happening in the world at the moment. It's, 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 a, it's a Western uh, democracy issue. It is, uh, so it goes right across the Western democracy. And I'm talking, when I talk about that, I'm not just, people think the Western democracy is just a bunch of white people. In actual fact, it's Japanese in the Western democracy, so are the South Koreans and other people as well. And it is a problem that we have that is, that is uh, getting this, this divide between the elites up here and the rest of us. And what I see one of our great institutions like universities uh, which was survived through the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages and through um, the French Revolution and so on about this thing of free academic freedom is now you've got comedians in America and other places who refuse to go to universities because they can't even crack jokes anymore because of, the, of this incredible vitriolic attack that is happening on people. And this is where people are... In, it, we're, li we're living in interesting times. We're, we're living at the advancement of technology. We're living in people are living longer. You know, our children will probably live to be 150. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, it's just, you know, I was talking to a, a professor in the United States and he said, he said, my job is to keep people alive and we can do that in, it, with, it, with the advancement of medicine and technology. What that means for us as a society is going to be very interesting. Because you, if you think about that, 65, you retire, you're actually going to live longer in retirement. So there are a whole lot of things that are ha happening. You've got the, 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 the scaremongering and carrying on about global warming and climate change and stuff. And people are, are nervous and scared. And it doesn't take much of a person to work out that, that in a society, if you look at the elites, they're usually the people at the top end of the, the pyramid. The vast majority of people are getting very nervous and very scared about where this country is going and where Western civilization is going. And that's why I, I just find it incredibly crazy about how politicians and people are out of touch, in which the Greyhound ban proved, because it destroyed Australia's most popular Premier, 
and, and almost brought down Australia's most popular government over just one issue, which sort of become the symbol for a whole range of other issues. So thank you for that, and we'll, we can have a bit of a chat. Yeah.